0: I only hear my soul wasting away in autumnal deliverance of Sweden me.
1: and and Lutefisk the gory Lutefisk and so sad like so sad with metal metal And paint My eyes, they weep for lutefisk Salty umami tastes The periphery of my discovery Mike, I've missed you so
2: much on a microphone You know that, right?
1: I love you too, Joe
2: And if you think the Apostle in Triumph is heir apparent Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion I am Joe That is Dan That is Mike Hello I'm feeling very old school tonight, Dan. (sighs) Yeah, it's a little old school. Just a little tiny bit. Yeah. You think I should pan us left and right like we used to back in the day? No. I mean, I can do
0: it. No, I really would appreciate if you didn't. I feel the (laughs) soundscape expanding as we speak. No, I'm I'm good, man. Okay, I'll put it back where it belongs. Sounds good. We have a special guest tonight, Mr. Mike Yaney. How you doing? The man, the myth, the legend. We got Mike uh, to come down to talk about Opeth, which is a band that we all love.
1: So evil
0: They are Is it as evil as ghost?
1: Uh, the, Joe just switched that to the perfect track for me to say evil
0: Ghost isn't evil per se We'll get oh, into that later know, Ghost
1: has fun Ghost Ghost has fun yeah. I don't know if uh, like uh, Satanic lyrics, especially that over the top and them make basic... I've, I've overheard interviews with them. They pull a very Slayer-ish kind of mystique about it. <laughs> Whereas Opeth, Slayer, you know
0: that Catholic band.
1: Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> 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 Whereas you look, Mike Oldfield in interviews, he just gets this little twinkle in his eye just, that just speaks of mountains of millions of corpses piling up.
0: And of course, this is just Opeth just feels evil. It's, it's a regular. It's a regular Tuesday. Yeah, you know, for in, the band in Sweden. <laughs> The sun never si- never shines in Sweden, especially on a Tuesday. It's
2: very cold.
0: All right, now not that we've got
1: that over our si-
0: out of our system, Opeth. How did? Where did you find out about Opeth, Dan? Well, I found out about Opeth via message boards back in had to have been probably like two thousand and two, hmm. maybe three. That's going back a few years. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a few minutes ago, but you know. I, I got into Opeth basically off of hearsay, because I think around that time, I think the latest album that had been released by Opeth was Deliverance. Yeah, and so the band was very hyped as this like great death metal band, and I was getting into I was getting into more extreme metal at that time, so I really was intrigued by people saying that, you know this is the this is literally the best band that exists in this genre, and, and all that. However. They didn't really end up sounding how I expected them to sound, because when people say somebody's the greatest death metal band ever, I'm thinking, like, Cannibal Corpse with actual melody. Well, you're thinking death metal, which
1: Opeth has strands of, but uh, right. when you're led to, like, this is the best death metal band ever,
0: you're not going to imagine Opeth. No, I wasn't prepared at all. And to, and to make it even more confusing, the first album that I got by Opeth was Damnation. <laughs>
1: That was the first one of theirs, because I actually learned about it from you shortly after you found out about it. It The senior year of high school, and you you show me Damnation out of all of them. And I was thinking, well,
0: this is okay. And then I listened to Deliverance, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the gravy. (laughs) Damnation is so pretty. (laughs) Damnation is really nice. Um, And it was weird when I heard it, because I was like, this is not death metal. You know, yeah. I, this is my very first, like, metal elitist comment, you know? I <laughs> listened to it on headphones. Metal. I listened to it on headphones, in the dark, in the woods. <laughs> and in the woods. After about ten minutes, I was like, this is not death metal. <laughs> and uh, Way to be a stereotype on that one, Dan. Well, you know, it wasn't death metal, but it was very mesmerizing. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that about it, and we'll get into it whenever we actually talk about the album Damnation, but... Yeah, so Opeth goes back uh, a little little while for me. You know, I wasn't there at the beginning. I didn't buy Orchid day one (laughs) in midnight at Best Buy on New Release Tuesday. I think we would have had to have been Swedish, or at least British, or in the European sphere. Yeah, we had to have been probably have to have been in Europe to have heard that when it first came out. Um, And as a matter of fact, I think Orchid wasn't even released until like later, right? Like, didn't it get an international release after uh, Morning Rise? I think so. I would like to. I would love to hear our, some of our listeners'
1: comments on this. If we can find like some old grizzled guy in a cave who says that, yep,
0: Orchid got the copyright here. Well, you know, Mike, there is a guy that has been streaming our our show from uh, what is it, Joe? Like a ni- Windows ninety eight. PC?
2: Somewhere over in the vicinity of Bangkok or Japan. Okay. All right. Lots of caves in that area. Oh, that fella, you know. (laughs) So I'm thinking... Bangkok, Japan. uh,
1: uh, Much lesser known than Bangkok, Thailand, obviously. So he's got that on his street cred, too. Yeah, or
0: her. You know, we don't know. Oh, it's true. We don't know. know, So, you know, if that's you, if you're listening right now, I mean... Hit us up. Send us an AOL instant message. With a screenshot. I want proof. Yeah, something <laughs> something cool. Like, show us your cave. Show us your computer. We're just kidding. We appreciate you listening to our show. We know where you live.
2: But well, before we start talking about people's caves, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at DiscussMetal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe subscribe subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell you all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. We like reviews
0: in general. If we're awesome, leave us a five-star review. If we suck, leave us a not-that-star review. So... One of the cool things that we've done recently is we have added functionality to our Facebook page to make it easier for you. Instead of having to go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, which you are more than welcome and encouraged to do, you can now go to www.facebook.com slash discography discussion, and you can leave us a review right there on Facebook. Make sure to leave us a comment and give us a follow on there. And uh, you know that The cool thing about following people on Facebook is that whenever we post something, you get it you get it right away you get the latest news latest updates so we appreciate you guys we actually uh just surpassed 233 likes on facebook uh which was a pretty big accomplishment it was hard getting over that 200 hump so uh, we really appreciate you guys liking us and following us and um
2: you know make sure to leave us plenty of feedback and reviews are a great way to let us know how you think we're doing One of the major developments in 2018 is we did become members of the Amazon Affiliate Links program, so if you'd like to purchase any of the music that we talk about in any of these shows, we do put links down in the show notes that'll take you directly to the records. It does not change the price for you, and we get a little bit of kickback from that. We appreciate your support, and we're going to be talking about... Our Patreon subscribers later on in the episode We got something special coming up If you've been listening for the past couple weeks You've heard about it, but we're going to talk about it just a little bit more And now Mike is going to tell Joe and yes, the listeners Joe. All about
1: Opeth Opeth In the beginning there was Opeth And this is my show now, so everyone better listen <laughs> Is Opeth, The Opeth, they're like from Sweden And it's like, you know They really, really sold out with like You know, uh, what was it? My Arms, Your Hearse. It was kind of like new Metal. So I just stopped listening to them after that. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what certain Opeth fans look like. If you look, go on certain message boards Absolutely. that I will not name. Um, to me, it's, especially having found out about these guys, mainly during the you know Blackwater Park years, it's just, well, damnation, deliverance years, technically. But that stuff was just so good. And going back and listening to the old stuff, it was sort of like, okay, this is nice, you know? It's not bad, but, oh, God, I mean, stuff that comes later.
2: Is Blackwater Park still the definitive Opeth record, or has that been surpassed at this point?
0: I think everyone would have a different answer to that. Yeah, I mean, later on in the show, I'll make a strong case for Deliverance. Deliverance is pretty solid, Uh, but... You know, then, you, then you, they drop a record like Ghost Reveries right afterwards, and it's like, fuck, you know, like eh, <laughs> this band needs to hit their peak and start declining at some point, or else. My, <laughs> right? My, right, brains gonna just.
1: I used to say the Deliverance was my favorite, but I think I've listened to Ghost Reveries way more, honestly. Yeah, and uh, it's not just because of the occult uh, kind of symbolism that keeps on creeping up, which has always been a kind of a. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff sucker
0: for the occult
1: so uh, lots of faustian references in there especially bang of the hounds and whatnot sure so uh you know it's good
0: stuff so i guess let's uh, start at the beginning just like we always
2: do 1995
0: orchid okay orchid is a really interesting record because it has a lot of weird elements in it that really don't show up in other opeth albums Except for Morning Rise, because yeah. like Morning Rise and Orchid are essentially the same. Record. Very similar. Um, Morning <laughs> Rise is slightly bluesier. Yeah, places from what I remember. Orchid is probably the closest thing you could say that is the closest you could say Opeth got to Swedish death metal or melodic death metal or whatever you want to call it. Like this that is that kind of Gothenburg tinge. A little if bit. Not actually, like Gothenburg. they were they were in that scene, but they didn't really sound like that. Yeah. Um, and I think I think uh, Michael Ackerfeld. He said it on a dvd that i have one time <laughs> whenever he was they were playing a couple of the songs from orchid and he's like okay that's enough of that minstrelly shit <laughs> uh and I, I agree with him there so these songs these songs have almost kind of a little bit of a folk uh tempo oh definitely you know and and yeah, they're, they're not you know it's not
1: kind of sensibility to them
0: yeah it's not blast you in the face or anything or, or beach over the head with like heaviness but you know the vocals are extreme uh, almost a little black metalish on this one uh, a little bit more higher register and uh, you know he screams he sings uh, Michael Ackerfeld is an excellent singer as well as 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 aggressive vocalist and he uh, he doesn't go too much into the melodic singing on the first record but you know these songs are, Kind of a good introduction to what Opeth was going to be all about. I mean, every song is way longer than it should be. <laughs> um, the songs are interesting; they have a lot of different elements. Uh, there's a lot of progressive metal in there. There's a lot of uh, a lot of folk metal, if that's a thing. I don't know if folk metal is really a thing. I don't really think that folk metal would apply to this so much, just because.
1: There, it's much less. folk metal to me seems to be a lot about incorporating other instruments like non electronic instruments oftentimes the lyrical content can be you know harkening back to kind of like a idealized version of the past you don't really see that so much with opeth uh, not even the early stuff
0: yeah and when i say folk i really just mean the tempo there's just something no, no. about the way I, I get what you're saying the there. way the songs kind of ebb and flow at the beginning where they're just Especially on the very first song, in the midst she was standing. Yeah. Uh, that song has like a very kind of folksy uh, tempo. Tempo only. I'm not saying that it's like a like they're not playing flutes and shit, but yeah. you know <laughs> it's uh, it's it, it's really interesting to me that there, there, there's really good solo work on this on this record. Yeah, like right here. Yeah, and some some piano in there. There's a really beautiful piano piece, uh, which I think is like track three. And, um, I've been listening to the record on vinyl, so it's been hard to, like, I'm not just sitting there, like, looking at the track names while I'm listening to it, even though that's what I should be doing. Um, but I really like the vocals on this one, and I love, I love the, uh, I just love the way the songs are put together. The only real issue I had with it is that the songs definitely, I mean, Opeth, Opeth has always been a very diverse band. And then thrown a lot of different influences our way, and has always written long songs that are very interesting. But I think on this record, with it being their first record and they're not them not being necessarily as great as they would become, uh, some of these songs tend to drag on a little too long. Well, there's a repetitive quality. Yes, like the, the,
1: the same riff. It'll it'll be a beautiful sounding piece, but it'll be repeated over and over and over again. And you can get kind of sick of that after a while. There's there's a lot to be said to, like, you know, having a beautiful sound last for only a few seconds and then recede and then other things take over and that just implants that feeling in people. If you know, I don't know, it's... Uh,
0: no, I get what you're saying. It, it, it harkens back a little bit to... Their um, albums are so much better at that than these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, and we we talked about that, that repetitive quality. Uh, we touched on that in the Paramecium episode we did last week. That quality makes this record hard to get through 100. percent. Like, if it's after nine o'clock, and I put this record on, I'm gonna be asleep by nine thirty. Yeah. Just it's not, and it's not that it's boring. It's just, it's just a little too much in some areas, um, and that that sucks because I think sometimes you miss out on some of the cooler parts because one of the biggest things they introduce on this record that would follow them throughout their career is the um, the change of mood or the change of tone in the sense that these songs can go from being blisteringly fast and heavy and then suddenly just stop on a dime and go into like a three to four minute you know medieval sounding uh like acoustic segment and then you know maybe he'll sing on it maybe he won't and those parts are really cool but i feel like even though they are in abundance on this record they're a little few and far between kind of all the shit that all that Glues them together. I guess right. is what I'm trying it's to like say. like
1: this, this, this starts and then this starts, as opposed to one thing kind of flowing seamlessly into another. Now, there, are, there is some flow there. One thing you talk about signature sounds like this sort of dark neoclassical, you know, atmospheric quality. I think that's something that's always been there with Opeth. Like Opeth sounds, and I don't know this is so much because of the album cover for a lot of their albums, especially around the Blackwater Park uh, era, era, but. Opeth to me sometimes sounds like, and this is going to sound funny, it sounds like the way scary stories to tell in the dark illustrations look. Interesting. Um, If anyone from our generation remembers this, this is like Icor dripping from the pages almost. Very visceral, very haunting, terrifying illustrations. God knows how it ended up in a child's book, but uh, it (laughs) did. For funsies, (laughs) of course. Opeth sounds like that looks to me. I I like (laughs) the
2: word medieval. I don't think I've ever heard Opeth described as medieval, but it seems like a brass or bronze age version of what heavy metal would sound like you're not really focusing on being brutal as much as you're being as musical as possible but then having a brutal quality with the vocals and even the drums kick off and they're either going 100 miles an hour with double kick or they're just laying back and setting a groove yeah um i don't really enjoy this record very much Probably because I was jaded at the very beginning, because first thing I ever heard was Deliverance and Damnation. So you kind of have already experienced the peak of this band's songwriting capability that would go on and on to be repeated. You get to a point with Opeth where you think, okay, there's no possible way they're going to be able to do that again, and they've done it 12 times. Yeah, I don't know about 12 times, but they have done it a lot. Um, and I'm, I think
0: you said it best for all of us, Joe, when you know you said that. Because, because we'd heard what was to come later before hearing this, this does pale in comparison um, in a lot of ways, but I do think it's interesting to talk about in the sense that it is, it is different, like if you could divide the band into eras. Yeah, this was definitely kind of the more medieval era. And whenever I say medieval, again, I you know, like I said, I'm...
1: well, it's just like that because you hear those courtly kind of sounds. Yes, into it. and yes, it's. And not... someone who understands music history far better than I would would probably be able to like pick out just what this is influenced by. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of Swedish folk melodies do make their way into this, and a lot of the sensibilities just from traditional music. I mean, you, gr- they might not even be conscious. You right. know,
2: whenever they're being played, we'll but, talk uh, about it a lot more as we go into the discography. Yeah. But a lot of people accuse Opeth of being a progressive rock band with death metal vocals. Hmm. Yeah, I could hear that. For some songs, I could definitely see that. Why is it progressive? Because they don't detune, because they're not running the gain at 11 because the drums are not being hit as hard as possible, because they're able to lock in with a groove, and then he happens to be growling over the top of it. I mean, it's very musical. And I get the same feeling from listening to Opeth from the music that I get from listening to Pink Floyd. You have these long separations of just one thing that's kind of repeated and built upon, and then the song changes the only difference between the two is opeth is death growling right well vocals often will shift people's perception
1: of stuff like there's been stuff that's obviously just doom or even thrash but the vocals are raspy and black y, so people will say oh that's black metal so yeah
0: well there's and i think this record is not really the progressive one in the sense that you know like we were talking about earlier with the songwriting it sounds like all of these songs were just like, okay, we have this part, this part, this part, this part. You mm. could you could write it on a... You could illustrate it on a piece of paper visually. And, and one th-
1: thing I've noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, but for a lot of these, it'll go from one part to a one part to one part, but it won't return to any parts in many places.
0: Right. So it's like, we're, we're going to do this part, this part, this part, this part, and then that's the end. That's not the same thing as music composition. No. That's what, that's what hardcore bands do. Like... Like uh, techie hardcore bands that often get labeled as tech ma- tech bands, uh, they just write a whole bunch of parts and they just kind of haphazardly throw them all together. You can hear a lot of that in between the Buried and Me's discography, in the sense that their first few albums were similar to Opeth in the sense that they were just a collection of parts, not necessarily a collection of songs. Uh, and so I think that's that's really where the negative points come from me on on uh, Orchid is that it's a you know obviously it's a great start i've definitely heard way worse debut records oh yeah you know so this was this was a pretty good start for the band
1: like we have to kind of dig to find anything wrong with opeth and a lot of this again like just like joe said it comes from the perspective of having heard you know something that's been so far down the line and going back to kind of the unpolished rough cut gem before right. it was really
2: refined. Exactly, and the last thing I can say about it and then we'll go on to Morning Rise is there's an era of Metallica that existed in the 80s. Kill em All was the first thing they did. You can find a path from Kill em All to every record they did in the 80s but you would listen to Kill 'Em All and say, "Well, this isn't as well produced. It's not as clean. It's sloppy in places." But everything that makes the band great is right there, and, and I like it. And same thing for Orchid. It's not bad. It's just when you, when you start off at, a, at an eight and then you put out a bunch of elevens, right? <laughs> it's like yes, that eight exists, but do I really want to listen to it as much as I could go listen to? Blackwater Park. If it was any other band, Orchid would
1: probably
0: be more memorable, actually. Probably, yeah. You ready for Morning Rise, Dan? Oh, man, I was born ready. 1996. Okay. Well, out of the two, I like this one more than I liked Orchid. But the interesting thing about this is I think for a lot of the world, this was their debut album. I don't think that Orchid was necessarily available right away, or if it was...
2: It wasn't easily obtainable I think they, they found an audience later And then that audience Discovered Orchid In the process
0: Yeah Because I think Morning Rise was uh, Was a little bit more Like like easier to obtain At that time Like I said I don't know I wasn't there in 1996 <laughs> Yeah <listening laughs> This is, this cat, is stuff that In Sweden is, I was 10 so <laughs> We are youngins you know. Here We uh... Yeah So You know This record's interesting too Because there's actually There's actually a few Like riffs and parts yeah i was talking about how the all the songs were written in parts <laughs> um, there's actually parts of orchid songs in morning rise yeah and see that. uh, and that's interesting and 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 uh, they even say it in the liner notes like that hey we you know we took you know we took this from from this song from orchid and all that uh, which says to me that maybe orchid was just something that they put out as a proof of concept it
2: could be um,
1: i mean I think that Morning Rise is really the album where you start to see so many opethy things come together. Where you talk about atmospheric uh, qualities to it, especially just the way that Black Rose Immortal, that twenty-minute thing, <laughs> fades out. It, it that's that that song. It it just it's spine tingling the way it ends. It's just this de- yeah, these demonic the shrieks that kind of just reverberate over and over and over again, that's something that to me was
0: definitely lacking from Orchid. Well, this one's a little heavier, I think is the way, yeah. to, the way to put it. I don't mean heavier in, like, you know, it didn't just automatically start sounding like death or, you know, stuff like that. It just, it just kind of like, I don't know if it's better production. Maybe it's the heavier blues influence, because as we all know, blues, you know, the bluesier you are, it's possible the heavier you are. Um, <laughs> Damn right. The more prog you are. <laughs> the more <was too> prog. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I know this record's good. It's a it's uh it appears to be shorter than Orchid, but it's really not. It's it's still a motherfucker of a of a playtime. I mean
1: <laughs> You got like what five was it five yeah, tracks? I mean the, first song, song.
0: <laughs> the the the, the, lo- the shortest song on this record I think is like what eight minutes? Eight I know that's yeah, not even that's, well no and that's the that ending. Right. <laughs> that's eternal soul torture and that's not even part of the record. That's uh that's a bonus track. So like Black Rose Immoral is twenty fucking minutes long. Uh, Advent is thirteen minutes long. It's like, and everything else is at least a solid ten. Mm. And like, don't get me wrong, it's brilliant for the most part. I, I like most of it, but it is hard when you're just writing parts and you're not doing a musical composition. Yeah, it still suffers from that repetition. It's, yeah, it's that, really because uh, somebody decided, hey, we're gonna play this thirty-two times. Yeah, when they could have played it, they could have played <laughs> it eight times. Yeah, and man. had the same effect. Or yeah. and, and go back to it and then maybe two different versions of it. Play something else in a different key, maybe. I don't know. Correct. These don't really <laughs> have like the musical concept of like tension and release. Yeah. That is kind of supposed to be like the basis of of musical enjoyment. You know, you have that tension and you have a relief of that tension and it just kinda just kinda follows that pattern. No, uh, no, it's
1: much more like hey, look at this, and then hey, look at this, and then hey, look at this.
0: Right, right. So like <laughs> This is yeah, this is still kind of wanking around, but they are more they are more skillful on this one. Um, I noticed the acoustic guitar playing is a huge step up from Orchid. But I mean, Orchid definitely had that too, but they not so much a part of the songs it seems. Correct. Yeah, and this this record definitely is a step in the right direction. I wish that there was more that I could say about it, but a lot of what we said about Orchid applies to this record. As well, um, I like Michael's vocals on this one more. Uh, the singing's better. The growls are starting to get a little deeper, um, just a tad. Um, and actually, actually enjoy his shrieks uh, on yes. these two records a lot. Like he shrieks, like does
1: these it's like a very primal. It's it's a straight up from the guys. It's it's not filtered and anything it's not plastered over not prettied i don't know i'm just yeah.
0: i'm just saying i'm
1: just saying words at it's this not, point it's not pr- <laughs> it's not produced is yeah, the thing it's, yeah.
0: it's just that and it, but it, it sounds good and it, it is different like markedly different than than it was on their later on their later releases um i do think these songs go on a little too long Not necessarily a bad thing, but like like Orchid, I'm still I'm still falling asleep by nine thirty if I'm listening to this one, uh, you know later later than that time. So for that, I'm like, okay, it's really cool. And if I was awake and paying attention really closely, uh, I would enjoy this more. So, um, but like I said, I'm not bashing
2: it. Like I said, it's an eight. It's just not an eleven. We're getting to the eleven. An eight's still good. We're (laughs) good. All right. 1998, my arms, your hearts.
0: This is the beginning of a new era for Opeth. This record is heavy. It's faster. I mean, shit, it was put out on Century Black. That was the the sub-label of Century Media for, like, really extreme bands. That's interesting. And, uh, like I said, you know, Cannibal Corpse, this is not. But it's still, like... um, the primal screams are there, but the cool thing about this one is like uh Michael Ackerfeld really really deepens it up on the vocals. Um he has his voice sounds commanding. Um these songs are heavier. I mean the song Demon of the Fall is like absolutely Man. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely <laughs> spits the words, <laughs> it's great absolutely crushing. And um I heard actually heard a little bit of the progressive rock on this one a, bit, a bit especially the intro where it just comes in the ah, and like it, it reminded me very much of like a 70s acid rock kind of intro you think that at this point
1: this is the album where they're maybe not quite so afraid to kind of show some of their influences that aren't strictly heavy metal
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean like the other albums had different elements but they were a little bit more like Now
1: it's obvious, uh, because the last few albums especially, but back then you gotta think oh well i really like the moody blues but i don't want to say that at a show man right. <laughs> i'll get killed it's
0: the 90s in europe yeah. and it's death metal right it's all has to be death metal and satanic and super satanic oh, yeah uh which is which is kind of a running joke with opeth in the sense that they are really kind of not no i mean didn't, it, didn't it's very tongue-in-cheek
1: to when it's there didn't you just see a joke about pretending to be satanist to play in certain places yeah it's like certain certain bands who have pretended to be christian to play at certain church
0: events right whereas like i remember yeah i don't remember what interview that was with uh michael but he said that like you know oh yeah he's like people would ask us if we were satanists you know before we went on and we're just like uh sure
2: absolutely sure
1: whatever (laughs) yeah that's fine
0: (laughs)
2: I remember when we saw them in Chicago, he popped up and said, this is one of our earlier songs. You're really going to enjoy it. I mean, unless you absolutely hate death metal. (laughs) But It's okay if you do. I didn't like death
1: metal. (laughs) It's like, whoa. Of course, he could be just trolling his fans at that point. And I think there's a lot of that that takes place later on. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Can't blame him, though.
0: So one of the things that's really interesting about this is this is when I started paying attention to Opeth's lyrics. Because Orchid... Okay. Orchid and Morning Rise are, are are just fine lyrically. It's just that it's fine. They're not all it's that. Fine. They're not all that interesting. It's not like Swallow the Sun where we get some really cool song about him fucking a dead girl in the woods or something. You know, <laughs> um, that's you know, it.
2: Always comes back to the dead girl in anything. the woods.
0: You don't have anything cool like that in there, but you know, that's okay. Um, I mean, but hasn't? this record is interesting. And this is this is just my own personal interpretation of these lyrics. I could be way off. I don't know what the intent was from the band. Um, but I kind of get the I kind of get the impression that this this record is about a ghost haunting someone. Like that. Um, How very King Diamond of you. Yeah, a little bit. Like it. It definitely sounds like a lot of the songs have a kind of a quality to them lyrically where it seems like they're is a living person in despair and this ghost is like trying to communicate with them and uh it's it's interesting uh to me you could actually read
1: that same exact description into quite a lot of opeth uh, albums to follow though not, yeah. not just well not albums so much as individual songs sure with watershed there's always this feeling of oppression and this feeling of regret and remorse and something from the other side scratching at the periphery
0: Right, and it's it's interesting with a band like this, that actually you know, really you can feel you can actually feel genuine emotion uh, whenever you listen to some of these songs, and and you do oh, yeah. have the lyrics in there. Like the band, they, they do a really good job of communicating with you musically what the feeling was going in, you know. And that's that's something that a lot of bands can't do because there's there's always this when you're when you're playing an extreme music style, there, there's always this somewhat pressured for like it's an act yeah you well, know, like well, then, we have to appear tough or yeah scary
1: to that or is, whatever it feels less mechanical I don't know if that's really an appropriate word to use but it feels less I don't know less planned in a way than the first two albums and in a way that just makes it feel better
0: it feels very yeah I like that like organic not mechanical because you know we listen to a lot of mechanical bands I mean we talked we talked about Meshuga a few weeks ago and you know that that's very emotionless. I think at some point I said it sounds like music being played by robots. Nothing you know? wrong
1: with that necessarily. No, there's but nothing wrong with for it. For certain styles of band, especially something that has more of a folksy character in some place. I don't want to say folksy. That's a bad term to descri- describe. Well, even we keep saying folk, but open. that's not really what we no, mean. Yet. No, no. Um, ah, what's a good word for that? Of the earth. Organic? Emotional It's emotional Oh crap it's emo
0: <laughs> Oh god It's emo Burn it Burn it now <laughs> Send that to Send that to Blabbermouth Joe Oh uh, Well it, like I said was fucking podcast toxic, Called this band emo Toxic
1: people Have called opeth emo And it's just like mm, Okay Wow really <laughs> Wow you, you We have read these posts Side by side sir Jesus Okay Back in the day
2: Well This is the record If you've listened To more than four of Opeth's releases, this is where I kind of started suspecting them of composing symphonies because I started to hear, and to be clear, death metal symphonies, because I started to hear different movements, not just a pile of riffs thrown together and, okay, we're going to play this, and then we're going to play this, and then we're going to play this it really started to sound like, okay, right there, that was an adagio, and right here, there's a toccata, and now we're doing a big overture at the very ending. And it was an interesting way to think about the music as I was listening to it, because it almost fully justifies being loud and having a groove and then just stopping and having a guitar break, and then going right back into something equally as heavy and loud and fast, and then doing it again. And you felt this with My Arms, Your Hearse, Joe. I did. Okay, that's interesting. This is where I started to notice it. I like that way of thinking. And it really starts to show on Blackwater Park. It, when we get to Watershed, it kind of changes to a different style of classical composition that I will save for later. Dan is going to be very band, upset. What well, what my band, band
0: would say about that? Hmm. <laughs> my Arms, Your Hearse is definitely in my top three. Um there's just something about this record. And I, I have a lot of trouble like putting a numerical value on any of them because uh, they're all de- like, with the exception of the first two. I kind of think a lot of the stuff after that was solid gold, and so it's really. It's also what mood you're in. I mean, if I'm in a more
1: depressive mood, then I'm gonna go with either this or uh, uh, Still Life. If I'm in much more of an impish, kind of mischievous mood, I might go for uh, you know Watershed. Or ghost reveries, obviously. Impish. If I'm in a more emotional kind of, like, just you know, th- philosophical mood, then it's Blackwater Park and and Deliverance and Damnation. All of those. Damn, that's like five hours uh, to have a mood. Oh yes, <laughs> well, it, it goes places. You see, this, this music does
0: transport you. Right. I mean, it, it'll change your mood too, for better or for worse. So, my arms, your hearse. I. I fucking love this record. I wish I had something really (laughs) profound to say about it, but uh, I just I like the songs a lot. There is a lot more like returning of melodies, like Joe said. The the music sounds a lot more composed. I don't know shit about symphonies, so I am going to leave it right there. But uh, (laughs) you know, I think that I I think that these songs are more like songs and and less like a collection of ideas. And uh, and for that, I salute them.
1: Songs (laughs) songs have to repeat in some way. No, not necessarily have to, but. you know, I think that we, our brains are just kind of wired to expect, you know, not just choruses, but how different areas kind of remind us of other parts of the song. I don't know.
0: Recognition <laughs> is enjoyment. You know, it and,
1: and recognition, not just exactly the same thing, but the same thing with a different spin on it, like a different accent mark.
0: Yeah, well, um, like I said about it being enjoyment, that's why you can hear a record by a band. And it just not even hit you at all. And then you listen to it a week later and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. The reason is is because you didn't necessarily pick up on everything that was there, but y- your brain works like a tape recorder and can, can remember certain right. certain melodies, certain themes. And uh,
1: and I say that that's actually really applicable to a lot of Opeth's later stuff. Like I didn't really care for Heritage when I first heard it, but then I go back to it again and again and I found stuff in there that I quite liked.
0: Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to Still Life because we got a whole
2: bunch of fucking albums to get through. <laughs> um, 1999. He has been rendered speechless. This is...
0: <laughs> this one's always contender for my number one.
1: Wow, that's high praise indeed. It's... <laughs> it's...
0: <sighs> what 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 is... I don't the, know how to say this. Why do you but, like it, Dan? I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this and sound like whatever, but... It's fucking flawless.
1: <laughs> it it is. It's a very tight album. I the guess vocals are deep very, uh,
0: on this one. I mean, this is this is whenever he hit, he hit that deep death metal pitch on this record.
1: It's also, from what I understand, their first concept album as far
0: as an actual theme. Absolutely, to put and we'll get into that. That's um. Oh, tell me about the theme, Dan. Tell me about the theme. Well, we'll get to it. I want to talk about the, theme, the music the first. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, like I said, but this this was the same difference, like a, like a difference between albums. This was the same sort of upgrade that we had gotten between Morning Rise and My Arms Your Hearse. This was absolutely heavier. It was absolutely more intense. Obviously, the production quality was significantly improved, and with his change in vocal style i noticed that his singing was a lot better on this one than it had ever been before and the songs this time sound absolutely composed everything you hear is very intentional the dynamic shifts on this are amazing like you you, they literally can just go from They can can literally go from Slayer to Renfair in 10 10 seconds.
2: (laughs) And make it work. And make it work. And make it kind of blend together and echoes of either in each one. Yep. I don't know at what point he started hanging out in his basement for a week with an acoustic guitar and writing an entire Opeth record and then just walking in saying, all right, guys, this is the album. Let's go record it. But this is a good contender for when that started. Because... It is composed. It's laid out. One person sees it as a timeline. We're going to start here and we're going to move up to here and go down to here and come back to here.
0: Well, and there's a lyrical story being told, but there's also a musical story. It follows itself. And like, I'm not, I'm not so metaphysical. And then, God, the music just takes me on such a journey, but like,
2: would you like to be metaphysical,
0: Dan? It's more like, <laughs> it's more, I already listened to the contortionist. Uh, The other, the other thing is, is that like this is, whenever the story is intense, the music's intense. So I mean, it's not necessarily like, oh my god, it's a musical journey. It's more just like they wrote the music to actually fit the theme of the lyrics, and I think that's something that a lot of bands don't do.
1: And people, well, people have been doing that since opera. So
2: yeah, you beat me to it, Mike. In metal, (laughs) in in metal, I mean, this is the record that we went from a symphony to an opera. Yeah, I guess it could. Because an I opera mean, is just a symphony with more words.
1: You know, a lot of opera is about someone who feels he's been wronged by the community and spends about several hours whining about it. So, yeah,
0: sure. Speaking of the theme of the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so,
2: he's
0: not... He's on. Not, he's we he's are not, on fucking r- point tonight. <laughs> he's not wrong. Uh, so, this song is about a guy who... I guess is kicked out of a community. There's a strong implication that it is a religious community, and that he was kicked out of the community for religious reasons. Um, something to have something to do with him not, you know, it did
1: not about to decrease not being a cool, yeah, or whatever. Some sort of revisionist idea of what people believe back then actually was. It's I'm not <laughs> sure. Like it could have, it could have been like.
0: It could have been something really dumb. They could have caught him fucking a pig or something. I who really knows. It was my holy pig fucking religion. Like you most took people, my holy pig fucking god idols and destroyed them. Like most people that act like fucking victims, <laughs> uh, we never talk about what he did. Uh, oh, to, no. get this, oh, no. to get into this to get into this <laughs> I'm sure uh, situation. he was a misunderstood soul. I'm sure. Well anyway. We're on his side. He's us. Okay. You know when we're when we're listening to this. Oh yeah. I, Can I
2: play the Twilight Zone theme music and just with, change it to Black Mirror? <laughs> he's in love with. Uh,
0: he's in love with this woman named Melinda, who is part of the community. And my understanding is that she, like, after he was kicked out of the community, she. So I. Backstory. Some
1: nunnery or something. Well,
0: backstory. I, I read all the lyrics for this and like right. wrote notes of what I thought the songs, what oh, the lyrics
1: he, were. He took it to that. We're level. about.
0: Um, you shame me. Well, I was listening to it on, on the vinyl, and it has this huge, really huge gatefold, so I was like able to basically read along with it like a storybook, you know, which was uh, really fun. Yeah, and um, he the more is about him, you know, kind of returning to the, you know, basically this, this this Outlander that had been exiled from the community walks back into the community, and simply states that the only reason he's returned is for this woman named Melinda who he loves. And, uh, apparently she loves him, but I guess after he had, it, I don't know if it specifies how long ago he was kicked out of the community, but it does seem to indicate that a, that a significant amount of time had passed between the, between his exile and, and now. So he returns for this woman, Melinda, but it's evident that she's already moved on. She, she's married some other person and now is, uh, you know, now in that relationship. So she he's, has a life too, bub. He's come back for her essentially. Oh Lord. And as time goes on, they kind of like, like a good death metal opera, but I would actually call this more of a death metal soap opera in the sense that she's like, well, I do love you, but we can't be together. But then we totally can, but no, we can't, (laughs) but we totally can. I mean, I don't feelings, man. I don't fucking know. Nothing more than feelings. Now what, here's what I can't figure out. I don't know if he gets pissed off. And kills her or if a member of the community accidentally killed her because they're like standing on this bridge and then she dies and I don't know whether it was him that did it or if it was I always
1: assumed just because like you said you do kind of read it from the protagonists viewpoint you kind of first time you read anything typically you do it that way I always assume it was community that kind of killed her
0: because of his her association with him right and I, I my understanding too is that they they must have had some sort of I I don't know if it was necessarily a sexual encounter in this record. Um, Maybe there's a bonus track of that. But, uh, you know, it's basically they have some sort of encounter and everybody realizes that she is on the verge of becoming adulterous if she has not already become adulterous. Which is a
1: very radical Protestant thing to think.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Because if she's thinking about it, she basically did it. But if I'm thinking about killing somebody, that's okay. Anyway like, you um, know,
1: like radical Protestantism As in you know Sweden So right. there's that Cultural thing for you
0: Man we need to get Steven back on Because he could He could argue The theology part of it For us really well There we go um, <laughs> But anyway So uh, She dies Spoilers This record came out Like a decade ago get It's over an it. opera Of course she <laughs> yeah. dies She dies And then he Flips the fuck out And starts killing people But there's you know, They're a community And he's just one dude So of course They overpower him and then he, I believe, is actually is also killed. He is uh, at the hanged, end of it. Hang it? Is he not? I think he's hung. Yeah. Hang. But I'll tell you what, man. That song, that song, "Serenity Painted Death," is absolutely the shining gem on this record. Like it is.
1: <laughs> Speak of the devil, and he shall is, It is
0: one of my favorite Opeth songs of all time, and I I can pit that song against any of the later stuff. I, I love it. And, my God, was this album not the perfect sign of things to come? Am I right, gentlemen? No, I think
1: that uh, Still Life does really kind of... Still, still Life, for me, is when they really kind of get things together. And there are echoes of Still Life all through the next five albums or so. At least up until Heritage.
0: All right, so we get to talk about this one. This is little guy, time? Blackwater Park, 2001. Oh...
2: My God. Ooh, this is where it kind of begins for me, too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what the majority of Opeth fans consider to be the beginning. It's their
0: master of puppets, right? I mean, it is. Like You can have your own opinion about what you think your favorite record is, but there's no denying that this was the seminal breakthrough release.
2: Just I'm not qualified to argue that I think Still Life is a better album. This is... It. This All is the, the seminal. This has. is when the band comes to your town Play Blackwater Park <laughs> They probably got sick of it. And out. then they did sick sometimes of that for a
0: while. <laughs> I think now he just tells you to go fuck yourself if yeah. you say something like that. And
1: I don't blame him, but no. at the same time this one, uh, oh, there's like one other thing that you really start to get ramped up, I think, on words is you just get that the feeling of dissonance, I think, with Blackwater Park. This feeling of something being wrong but kinda liking it.
0: This was the first Opeth album that had dynamics within the heaviness. Yes. This is the first time where they actually took the heaviness really seriously and could go on and on for several minutes without breaking into their more melodic stuff because I think I think sometimes in the past they used their melody as a shield, you know, as a, as a way to either take a break or something. But, I mean, this is one of the first records, and we had this a little bit on Still Life as well, but not not to as much of a degree. But this record has, features heavy parts, fast parts. There's, there's actually, like, dynamic time changes within those heavy parts. And there is kind of a dissonant quality to a lot of the riffs and a lot of the sounds. And it creates this really dark, kind of oppressive atmosphere and um it's an album that looks like what the cover looks it sounds like the cover looks and yeah like it with that ghostly morbid feeling which
1: is just it just helps so much like the cover art does set a mood for the music and it's hard to get over that
0: (laughs) now i do think that the first song is about fucking a dead person you think so i'm pretty sure because there's not leper affinity. That's like, your body is mine to avail. What a tragic sight you are. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think, you know, and I mean, granted, he could just be talking to me. I mean, this could be his pickup <laughs> line. And I admit that I'm looking kind of tragic, but I don't have anything else going on tonight. It could be an
1: insult, too. Like, you just call someone just a body, like a tragic body. Like, oh, you soulless husk.
0: Yeah, but he talks about, like, like there's, th- there's coffin talk. Coffin, <laughs> coffin talk coffin tonight, on, tonight on coffin talk <laughs> tune in at seven yeah
1: um great great show great subject if mike ackerfeld ever decides to do a show
0: coffin talk coffin talk with mike ackerfeld yeah, yeah i would i would love. love we'll host it to
2: help with that. presented by discuss metal.com yeah, right <laughs> um i really like this one guys it's, <laughs> i think it's really good uh you want to do the next 20 minutes on just blackwater park because you can go right ahead I know you can I don't
0: want to spend the whole podcast on this one album
2: but we might have to do a future podcast on just this album
0: maybe maybe that could be one of the patreon only ones um devastating vocal delivery oh yes um he has
1: such range with this one and it does you definitely get that in still life too yeah uh, but it's uh, so it's many different animalistic same. sounds. It's just not the same. It's not. It's not. There's a lot of there's a lot of things about Blackwater Park that I find a little difficult to put into words as to just why. Well, this sounds a lot like Still Life in some ways, but then other there's like a thousand tiny little things that add up to something completely different in the end. And it's
0: well, it's, it's kind of like good, but it's kind of like Still Life is Star Wars. It's a perfect film, a perfect album. But then Blackwater Park is like Return of the Jedi, which is, I'm sorry, which is is like The Empire Strikes Back, which is arguably better than the original perfect creation, you know? And darker, It is darker. It ends on a huge down note, Uh, you know? um,
2: This is the tone of Opeth to me. It's not my favorite record, but if you ask me what does Opeth sound like, I'm going to tell you to listen to Blackwater Park. I think that's fair. Because once they did this, this was the feeling that followed for a long time. Yeah. Blackwater Park or Deliverance. Longer than any other band that.
0: would have got away with it. You know, let's talk about seasons for a second.
2: Do you want I know some spring? Do you this? want some summer? What do you want? Autumn, <laughs> fall. <laughs> Demon of the fall. Autumn, fall, October.
0: The only decent month I, in Missouri. I always jokingly refer to Opeth as October, <laughs> because that's that's the month that I listen to the most Opeth. Because, in a certain sense, fall is beautiful. Autumn is beautiful. The the leaves changing colors. Serenity. You know death. everything. Yeah, everything's kind of getting ready for for winter. Everyone's packing up shop. It's beautiful though. The the weather can can range from being light and breezy. Or a little cold but not too cold. A little warm but not too warm. It's uh it's 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 essentially perfect weather for uh, you know, thirty one days during the year. For introspection. But on the flip side of that
2: it's also dying. the season
0: of decay. Yeah, <laughs> everything is dead, dying, rotting, becoming barren. Yes, you know, it, it be, being deprived of nutrients. It's
1: so mental. Mike's gonna, gonna start dancing back there.
0: Season. Well, I think have. that it's besides a- maybe winter, but that's a different yeah, whole different thing. Winter's too
1: obvious, though. Winter's just like here. I'm. I'm winter. I'm here to freeze your ballsack off. Here. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, you know, black metal works really well for winter, but <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the black O-Peth, metal is hardly
1: subtle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and then November's Doom was just like, well, we'll take this one since Opeth took October,
1: and they stand alone in the company of, of company none. Company of none. Yep. So,
0: what is
2: Napalm Death?
0: <laughs> Napalm Death is, um... I can't. No, we can't talk about Napalm Death yet. Oh, they're
1: obviously June. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be smug about that and not explain myself.
0: Well, <laughs> where do you go from here? Because this is an album that is absolutely as good as the last one which I mean never fucking happens you know there's always some way you can you can say oh this one's better than that one or this one's better than that one it's it's not really that way with with blackwater park and i don't want to give too much of a way about it because if you haven't heard blackwater park you need to you need to, don't listen blo- to it you need to buy it right now and listen to it there's a link and, down and in the show notes you can find notes. it you everywhere click it there well yeah i mean you can find it where however it is you want to find it Okay, but the thing is, is that you need to listen to it in its entirety, in in one sitting, um, with the lyrics or not. I mean, if you if you read the lyrics, great. If you're you know Jeff, then you won't. But it's it's one of those things where. it's one of those things where it really is something that needs to be experienced. It's kind of... what well, it? Is to bring Star Wars into it again, but... <laughs> um, but it is. Like, you know, you, you meet somebody and you're like, you've never seen Star Wars? Well, it's kind of the same thing with Blackwater Park. It's like, oh, you like metal? You've never heard Blackwater Park? Um, God, the melodies on this record are just... Opeth, more than a lot of
1: bands, tends to reward listening to it from start to finish. I think that even though i often will still pick out an individual song from the earlier lineup i'm guilty of that when it comes down to it i don't feel guilty about that until i reach um uh, until i reach Coast reverie stage before then it feels like i want to listen if i'm going to listen to one song i want to listen to the whole thing all the way through even if i can't i have that urge to do so nonetheless i
0: guess it depends on how far away your work is right opeth's not a great car band
2: if you only yeah. li- if you
0: live less than ten minutes away from somewhere, you're not even getting one song.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know? No, opeth is. I just got home from work, and I've got the whole evening ahead of me. This bottle of whiskey's not going to drink itself. <laughs> Either that, or
1: I'm going to go ahead and just roam through the woods, or go for a long drive. Now go forth and slay.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, it's uh, wow. Um. <laughs> Into the night. So. <laughs> After Blackwater Park, we get Deliverance.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, 2002. The damned year. In 2002, there was glory. There was and that glory was Deliverance and damnation. That's right. They released Uh, two records. Were they released on the same day? I know they basically
0: were over here. No, I think they were released like apart from each other.
1: It they often feel like 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 they're a year apart. And I blame that on the Lamentations DVD. Where they right, basically, yeah. you know, play the whole of Damnation and then... A lot of deliverance. A <laughs> lot of deliverance with a bit of Blackwater Park thrown in afterwards. And Demon of
0: the Fall was on that one. Yeah,
1: and... and it's fucking if you, brutal. If anyone wants to really experience Opeth in a live setting beyond going to one of their shows, definitely pick up the Lamentations DVD. It's incredible. Mike, one of his finest, he's he's picking jokes. You get a really good sense of his character. Great guy. Is great, Opeth great the
2: only death metal band... That gets away with just presenting the music. Because they don't have a look. They're not like evil and gothic. No, they don't really have a look. the stage is painted black with these idols (laughs) erected behind the band. We're we're getting there. You know, and they don't look like a metal band They look like a band that just walks out, puts the instruments on And presents this extremely heavy and musical experience And then they leave And I can't really think of another band that gets away with that That I would consider extreme
1: They look like a lot of just metal fans, actually Just, you know, jeans, black t-shirt Not, very unassuming looking But then the stuff that comes out of them. Oh boy! Didn't expect that.
0: They look like '70s like acid rock guys, you know, like. Which is really on point later on, but
1: a little uh, a little drabber, perhaps. Yeah, a little little bit more, a little bit more (laughs)
0: downtrodden. But Deliverance is like the heaviest thing, and Damnation is not, right? So Deliverance is the heaviest thing that they ever released. It's the most death metalish one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Wreath the beginning of Wreath is like the most death metal thing they've ever done. And so enunciated death
1: metal vocals. He's always been very good at enunciating. I find Mike's vocals to be way easier to understand than a lot of other artists. Very easy to understand. Uh, but yeah. even this is even more. It's punctuated almost on some of these al- on some of these songs on this album.
0: One of my favorite songs on this record is A Fair Judgement. There's a really great melodic uh a l- l- really great melodic section and I really wish I could give you the timestamp on that Joe but I can't cuz I don't pay that much attention but it starts off really dark sounding and it's it's kind of it's weird that that's my favorite song because it's not very death metally and it actually sounds more like it should have been on damnation I don't know if they made a mistake or...
2: (laughs) So so explain the dichotomy of Deliverance and Damnation, because a lot of people are thinking, okay, so they put out two albums in a very close time frame. Okay, great. It was basically a double album. System of a Down did that too. They just took one album and split it in half and released it eight months apart. Yeah, that's not exactly what Opeth did. They kind of did a yin and yang thing where this album is supposed to be extremely heavy and dark and distorted. And then over here, you have this very light-sounding, very progressive rock, very 70s, very Pink Floyd. Deliverance was,
0: in my opinion, kind of like a normal Opeth album. It was extremely heavy. Like, it was definitely heavier than anything else that they had ever released. But it's not all that. It still has... Opeth's melodic touch to it. It still has its flourishes. It still sounds like October, and it's it's a really complete package on its own. Damnation, on the other hand, is like if you took all of the soft parts, quote unquote, from an Opeth album and mismade that into a record. That's that's a really I know that's a really simplistic way of putting it, but that, that is essentially what we have here. They've stripped the heavy elements down, and it's basically they're basically giving us what's left, but they're taking something that may have only been a minute or two minutes and, and fleshing out that idea and making that into a, an actual song.
1: I think that there's actually, there is a lot of thought but behind damnation, it flows together very well. It's got this just heartbreakingly kind of just bittersweet quality to it.
0: It's like, depressing.
1: It, it is depressing, especially towards the end. Yeah. Um, it, it feels almost like someone's getting over like, you know, a, some sort of horrific disease that has left them maimed in a way and it's told from their perspective
0: it's totally about just Frodo you know after he oh, lost it, the ring the
1: DTs from the ring
0: <laughs> right yeah and I wonder
1: know. if you know was it all sunshine in Elfin land <laughs> no
0: <laughs> no it wasn't now listen to damnation
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man yeah like this this is really a great Opeth record because there's as we get on in this discography, there's going to be a lot of discussion about how, if a band abandons its heaviness, does that make it a bad band? And I would say this is a really early example of no. This just shows that they're very diverse as musicians, right? And they can they can they can pull something like this off and get away with it. Um, however, had the next two albums sounded like this, I, I do kind of wonder what the reaction would have been.
1: Well, here's here's also a thing that I guess we'll get into as more as we go into it deeper. A lot of Opeth fans are completely unpleasable. Totally. Because historically down to each each record. And what's even bizarre is I'm even seeing some reactions online between even some of the new records. You know, people that were fine up until Heritage, fine with Pale Communion, but oh fuck sorceress. And it's just like I don't know where the mentality comes. from. They can from.
0: only be so lucky to fuck a source. I don't
1: know. Well, yeah, unfortunate. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah, but
1: but no, I don't really understand where that mentality comes from over all this time. Because I, c- I can get when people started to like you know dislike uh, heritage and they didn't buy into it. Of course, I never have gotten. Was why they've been so vicious overall. So like, oh, this my band has put out like what. Like eight great albums that I loved, and now they put out something that I don't like. Well, I'll still have those. Still, I still have those eight.
0: Well, I think it's the meathead mentality, which is kind of weird, though, because like, I don't know if I would say Opeth's not a meathead though. band. I don't think they're meatheads. I just
1: think it's some sort of weird form of pretension. Or, so, or they're just into something about Opeth that's so freaking specific that if the next album doesn't have it, then that's when they decide to part ways.
0: Well, see, I don't think it's, it's that. I, I, I disagree yeah. a little bit because I think what it really is is that it's, it is it is pretension. But I think I think at the end of the day, it's really just about the vocals for some people. Yeah. And whenever, whenever you don't have that death metal growl, that deep growl, and don't get me wrong, it sounds cool. And there's times I'm disappointed that it's not there. But at the same time, it, you can't put something where it doesn't fit. If you do, you go to jail. So it's one of those things where you can't you can't just outright say I don't like it because he doesn't death growl anymore. You yeah, can't that, say that, that would, about Opeth so and that at all. To, that would sound so, stupid. So, you, <laughs> so you have to. So you have to create some lofty reason you see, as to I would, why.
1: I would take like that that reason like oh he doesn't death growl anymore actually is much more legitimate than making up all sorts of ideas It's more honest. As, yeah because I mean that's you know no more death growl I mean death growl can be a make or break thing if you're really into certain forms of metal and you want you expect you you get that you get your jollies from that I, I can relate to that at the same time I also am into so many different forms of music that I don't really care if my favorite bands decide to switch up the genres from time to time. So it's not an issue
2: for me. And this is what I would argue about Opeth. Give me one record that's all heavy. Doesn't I don't exist. think it exists. Yeah, they, they don't. So what are you complaining yeah, about?
1: That's, that's the thing, too. People that, you know, whinged on and on about some of their recent transformations. And But here's the thing, though. It's, it, it's not even the recent stuff. Like, every album they've done... Seemingly, at least from wh- where I can see from uh, Ghost Reveries onwards, people have bitched about it.
2: And it never stops. So of course, they still buy the album, though.
1: <laughs> is the reason still
2: because it's not Blackwater Park? Because that used to oh, be the reason. Man, I
1: hope that's not the reason, but it could be. It I, could think really so. be.
0: I think so. I think so for some people. I think a lot of people, Blackwater Park was the first record they heard from the band. And a first impression is hard to break. You know, I mean, and I want to say it's their black album. It's not necessarily like that in that they didn't really change like Metallica did. But at the same time, this was everybody's introduction. This was like, holy shit, this band, they're from Sweden and they're, they're great. They play like really complicated stuff. And the guy growls, which I think is really cool. And, you know, I think that people are just afraid to hear things that they don't know very well. There's the again. There's this theme of repetition is appreciation. I
1: don't know though because each album is so different from each other. And then why why would you choose? I don't know. I just don't get the mentality. I guess. Why
0: would you choose Blackwater like, like, Park over like, everything else?
1: Well, yeah. Especially if if you have no problem with Deliverance. If you have no problem even with Damnation, that's the major thing. And then all of a sudden just decide to get pissed off of Ghost Referee. Ghost Reveries. That's bizarre to me. Well, but that's a, that's a
0: big thing. It is. Well, it's weird because. They pretty much got a collective pass On Damnation Yeah And I don't know if it's because like Deliverance balanced it out And it was just a wash Or or what But I mean I I I don't remember hearing all the shit talk No About Damnation And like I said that was the first record I ever heard And even though I was like Wait this isn't death metal I didn't hate it or reject it. It, You know, I was just like, okay, this is different. And then, of course, a very quick internet search reassured me that, no, this is not what the band always sounds like. You know, they were on a smaller label uh, for pretty much everything from still life until uh, the end of Damnation, really. And then they signed a new record label. They signed with a major. Well, Roadrunner Records is still technically an independent record label. But, you know, they're the record label that spawned Nickelback, so it's a major never label. Never live it down. As far as I'm concerned, it's a major never label. Live it down. If I was in a band and I could sign the Roadrunner Records, I would consider it a major label. Opeth announces that they have signed with Roadrunner Records in the U.S., but I think they run... Was it... Uh, I think it was Nuclear Blast in uh, Yeah, in Europe. Yeah, for a while there. I could be wrong about that, but was I think... Was it Century Media? Could have been Century Media. But, not, uh, I think it was either century. Way,
1: they they switched to Roadrunner. And I know that generated a whole lot of salt, but we're not gonna talk about these. You know, well we're not gonna get anymore, into it too much, but we I do matter.
0: wanna I do wanna highlight that there was backlash. Big time Boo-hoo. when they when they announced <laughs> that they yeah, when they were going to Roadrunner because everybody's like, oh God they're gonna sound like slipknot now <laughs> or they're gonna and there sound are people like, that listen to it and then keep
1: they kept on saying but we're we we'll concerned concern ourselves with these people yeah
0: I, I think yeah, the i remember because it's yeah, on the dvd on the dvd uh mike aggerfeld actually says he's like and then there's the people that are pissed off because we signed the roadrunner but those people are idiots yes and,
1: straight up there oh oh wow your band is is more successful it's on a better label better because it can get you more of what you want maybe yeah Yeah, well the more albums you sell the
0: less my the more my appreciation for your band wanes you know it's like come on uh
1: this dare of the things i love be successful and make a living outside of the 7-eleven damn it
0: i don't think me and mike could have been more ribbed out for the release of this record
1: i was hyped like this is this is right after you know dan had introduced me to Lil beth in general i was that was still coming off the high that was deliverance and it was oh and and for this to just come blasting at you with all of this occult satan not well okay oh flat out sat- satanic imagery <laughs> it was this is the it first was, time for that oh it was good it felt good though because it wasn't like over the top and what's interesting as a young, uh, as a young Christian lad, it didn't really go too far over because it was so esoteric. There it was there was lots of reference to the Faustian bargain. The grand conjuration is basically it, it feels like nothing, nothing but that. And you could always say like you could always write it off in a different way. It doesn't really come off as particularly. A lot of the lyrics, to my mind don't come off as a major endorsement of occult practices, especially the left-hand path, because, um, I mean, just listen to Bang of the Hounds. He's not describing this master in a particularly uh, flattering way, his body being a country, cities like Desolate. Un- un- it goes on. But, you know, it was, a- it was a gateway, and it felt good to pass through those doors in a way.
0: I just want to make a special announcement that uh, Discography Discussion, as a podcast, 100% supports the Entombed album, Left-hand path. Yes. <laughs> just...
1: that, wait, that was a, That was an entombed. Album yeah. I just need to get path. that off my chest. <laughs> okay. I guess now, I can't uh,
0: argue because it's official now. If you remember, Joe, I think it was my very first album of the week. We have
1: different schools of thought here. It's good. It's what makes. Yeah. This, what makes the world go around, gentlemen? It does. Yes. Hell, Satan.
0: Oh shit. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> we have uh, we have an album that I think. Dare I say it's heavier than Deliverance? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know about that. It's definitely more well produced.
1: It's funkier. And that combined with the brutal elements might kind of accentuate that, make it sound heavy in some places. Dude,
0: the bang of the hounds when it starts
1: is uh,
0: its terror. It is. Like you it was, is. Not, the, not the hardcore band terror, but like <laughs> it's terror. <laughs> like terror embodied in music. It is. Well, they're coming for you, man. It is genuinely frightening. Or even like the beginning of Ghost of Perdition. I mean, you're just chilling. Even him you're calling like,
1: the hounds flocks doesn't take away from the terror. I, it <laughs> scared me to death the first time
0: I heard Ghost of Perdition. Because it was like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, it's a new Opeth album. It's going to be proggy. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And it's just it's like, dim, 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 dim. and then suddenly just, Ghost off! <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. You know, like, devil crack the earthly shell. It's like, oh, okay, hello. But that was equally scary. Like, where did this? Because, like, up to this point, Michael Ackerfeld always sang in a more subdued In a more subdued way, he didn't sound. He didn't sing like rock songs, like a rock vocalist. I like for me this record. He throws all that out the window. Like the lyrics are
1: much more cohesive. Like there are stories being told here. Um, Whenever I I like Opeth, I like the writing style from before. But I have to, you have to really read a lot into it.
2: This is the logical next step.
1: Yeah. This is direct. He's singing. He's singing about, about you know, losing your soul. Practically, he's losing. He's singing about on um, about uh, the personal journey. Uh, most of it pretty dark, uh, but I, I get that, and you can easily get that. You don't have to read anything into Ghost Reveries very much. It's very straightforward. It's out there for you.
2: This is the record where they stopped composing symphonies, and this is where we started composing very dark Broadway plays.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that that's, that's a good analogy. I like the that. The imagery
2: like that. is right out in front of you and the host is speaking directly to your face and you feel every word he says. I would like, if I may, to tell you <laughs> about I may, the banging of the hounds. <laughs> I
1: shall tell you a story of scaldaddery and things that go poop in the night. Yeah. Okay,
0: Bela, Um <laughs> I think you guys are overcomplicating the shit. Uh, nah,
1: we're having fun. It's and uh, that's, and this, this album is fun. It you is. Know, that's what I like. Well, that's what
0: it. I was talking about with the with the rock vocals, like the the devil cracked the earthly shelf, or told you was the one. You know, like that? Yes. Yes. That was really different for me to hear, and I like. I don't hate it. I'm just describing it. Like it. It was different in the sense that like you you're used to you. We're in kind of by the time we got to Deliverance. We were in kind of an opeth safe zone because all the way up from still life, you had a pretty comparable experience Yes, from there, whereas Ghost Reveries throws a lot of that out the window and they fuck with the formula a lot on this record. And, uh, and I like it in that it kind of comes across as, like, this evil rock record. I think that they're they're
1: a bit closer than we think, though, to, like, there are echoes of still life even in this. Well, yeah. And there's, uh, there's a lot of... Uh,
2: but isn't building. it interesting that still life has become an echo at this point, and it's only been a few records? Yeah.
1: Well, they're moving on, man. That's, uh, that's one thing you can say about Opeth is they
0: like to move on. I don't think that this record sounds as medieval, though. <laughs> not to say it like yeah. that. I mean, they, they've dropped <laughs> not, they've dropped that somewhere in the middle of Still Life.
1: Not folksy, wolksy It's much more like the, the the softer parts, the more melodic parts are definitely more seventies rock.
0: Definitely yeah, well, more, it's uh, like I I kind of always envisioned this as kind of a horror film like soundtrack. Um, that's more it's more like that for me than a Broadway play, and and I imagine it's it's something that takes place in the you know either in the modern day or is something that takes place in like the 90s you know um I just, get, I just get weird visions of like, you know, I don't know, like Johnny Depp in a dark basement and there's like candles I and like know. and like demons are chasing I him get, through the streets and stuff. I don't know if it's because of all the
1: Faustian references and the Grand Conjuration, but I just got overwhelming visions of like some 16th or 17th century necromancer trying to put, find the Philosopher's Stone, tears running down his eyes as he's realizing he's screwed up some part of the ritual and then a vast demon overtaking him. Damn. But that's just... Uh, <laughs> that's just me that's
0: creative <laughs> um i'm into it though that's cool i mean a
1: lot of that stuff is, is stripped straight out i, I read a lot <laughs> sure <laughs> let's, i let's
0: get it. it that way i just listen to metal albums and talk that's like literally all i do that's, a, that's <laughs> okay man i still love you yeah, all right well um yeah this record was safe but it was less safe than than like deliverance was it you is know safe. like this because again I, I don't that. think this this doesn't sound like Blackwater Park to me it doesn't no, sound like it doesn't, but, like uh, deliverance and and that's okay. I think this was a really welcome change and the band was still scary they were still evil and you know it, it really uh this was this was the, literally the best record they could have released after mm. all the speculation on their label
1: choice. It was very nice and I think that you talk about echo points that we're still we're still in the phase where we're dealing with the echoes of ghost reveries with everything that's come since a little snippets of that just keep on popping up all the way through heritage oh yeah and uh i haven't really absorbed pale communion or sorceress like i should have but we're already to watershed aren't we
0: watershed joe pull up the definition of a watershed it's not, um, ter- yeah, it's not. We got two different It's not like I more than one meaning to this. You're of the water closet. Michael. It's not like there's a. It's not like there's a, uh, a hole in the roof of my shed. That's not what I'm, what I'm going for here. But a watershed is essentially the beginning of a river.
2: An area or ridge of land that separates waters flowing to different rivers, basins, or seas. Synonym of divide. So that's interesting, right?
1: Well, does it not also mean just? A watershed like we say a watershed in politics or a watershed in history to where it's a complete change or break from the past
0: and ev- yeah an event or period making a turning point in a course of action or state of affairs that is literally the greatest definition of what this album is this has tons of ghost reveries in it it's all over the place um, I would almost even say some unused ideas and uh, <laughs> I mean I'm not accusing anybody of anything but you know uh this was this had a lot of really melodic clean songs still very dark very, still very scary but like they focused a uh, lot like, more on like the melody right here. Like
1: that ghostliness, though. Like ghostliness, they, the, yeah. The, the, that which began with Still Life and Blackwater, especially with Blackwater Park, I think is in this album in spades. Yeah. This, is, this ethereal feeling of being in some places. Not quite right. It's just this unfeeling of unease, this dissonance. And I love it.
0: Well, I think that this record, though, you've got, like, what? Two death metal songs on this? Maybe three? Mm. And that's interesting to For me parts because... of them, at least. Yeah, well, that's interesting to me, though, because... I think the whole watershed part of it. I think this was like a warning, like, "Hey guys, we're about to change shit up again on you." Yeah. But here, here's this album. You're gonna be fine with this. <laughs> but and I just weren't. Want to, <laughs> but I just want you to know that it's gonna change. Yeah, dude. I remember people calling it like water shit when it came out, and like again, unpleasable fan base. Totally, because they're still doing very opethy stuff on this record. Yeah, um, the Lotus Eater is one of the most insane oh, God, songs I've yeah. ever heard by them. One of the heaviest too. Like, I mean, really, like, and don't get me wrong, it gets fucking weird about halfway through and goes oh, off in a totally different direction. Opeth
1: oh, has always been weird though. Ever since Blackwater Park, they've right? always not, had weirdness in them.
0: I'm not criticizing it. I'm just making a statement. Like, it's it's it gets weird. It gets a little bit um. It it goes into areas that you aren't going to expect, but I do feel in my heart that this record was there to get us used to the idea of having a non-death metal opeth. The death metal stuff that we got on this record was kind of like, I hear you go, but this is it. You think think this is
1: the last bone that was thrown to those people that are like, if it doesn't have death growls, I'm out? Pretty much. I don't know if they consciously meant it to be that way. I just, to, to me, it seems like it's always been a gradual evolution. Like There's been things that have come as a surprise at the moment, but then you go back and you listen album after album after album. You can definitely see a progression there.
0: A little bit. A little bit. Um, I'm going to disagree on that, but we'll get to why later. Um, oh, you're entitled to your disagreements. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's the door. <laughs> um, that's Joe's studio. Yeah. Joe,
1: which one do you love
0: best? Um, <laughs> I don't know which one's the evil one. A Watershed is a fantastic record. I love the way it begins. I love the way it ends. I love everything in the middle. It's like a great sandwich, goopy
2: sandwich. Do you goopy. want some mayo on that Ect- sandwich, Dan? Well,
0: there's mayo, mustard, ectoplasm, ectoplasm, random goat fat. Oh man, I love being definitely some goat, a lot fat. Of goat fat. Salty, salty goat fat. Absolutely. Um, and I don't have a lot to say about this one though, because this record, for whatever reason. I love it, but it did not connect with me the way the other ones did. So I listened to this one probably the least out of the older OPETH material um, because it's, it's good, but it doesn't. I didn't listen to it like 150, 170 times like I did the other ones. Um, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but I kind of saw, like, being one of those
2: guys that's very concerned with vocals, I kind of saw the writing on the wall with this one. You beat me to it, because this is where I kind of got worried. I wanted to like this. I feel like I spent a lot of time trying to convince myself that I really liked Watershed. But I don't love it as much as I love Ghost Reveries, Deliverance, Damnation. That's understandable. You get one of my issues with the Watershed, I guess, would have to
1: be how some of the lyrics just seem overly simplistic. Fields of Sorrow, we get it. You're running through them. You don't have to keep on repeating it. Uh, This is uh, such a dick thing for me to say But I don't know It just feels like uh, It feels like there could have been more
2: said I don't know This is like Bad example but This is like You giving me A copy of The Watchmen Yeah And then I read it And I like it And then you give me the movie And now I have to spend the next seven or eight viewings Trying to convince myself that the movie is good Compared to the book Mm. Because it's not that great of a movie Yeah In fact, in that instance, I would say it's absolutely horrible But There are aspects of Watershed That sound like We were trying to write an Opeth record This may have been the bottom of the death metal barrel this may have been some frustration. Like we we just gave them Ghost referees and they're still talking about Blackwater Park. I honestly <laughs> don't know. I
1: don't. I don't think that the fans influence Opeth as much as they like to think they do.
2: I don't think they influence Opeth at all. Yeah, I think Opeth is a very integrity laden band that yeah, doesn't I mean, why care else? what the fan wants. If
1: if they if 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 Mike gave a shit, as far as the naysayers go. Then he wouldn't have moved past Still Life. Probably, he wouldn't have moved past. He wouldn't have moved past Morning Rise. <laughs> I, there's better Opeth. Oh yeah, there is. But the reasons I like Watershed have really nothing to do with the lyrics, you know, or or the song structure, what have you. It it all comes down to this feeling of weirdness and dissonance, which is gimmicky. It's all about the novelty for me when it comes to this album. You know, if I'm in a, if I'm in, like I said, if I'm in a quirky mood, if I'm in a mischievous mood, this is the opeth I'll reach for. If I'm in a more serious mood, obviously I'm going to take up Blackwire Park or Damnation or Deliverance. It's, right.
2: And, and the main reason you know. to put in Watershed is just so you can surprise somebody. Yeah. Just with the opening of Air Apparent. Just, oh, that's dissonant and heavy. Oh, they hit me again in the face.
1: Yeah, the dissonance has really ratcheted up the feeling of just the wrong key being played in the
0: right way. You know, it's it's nice though. I like it. I remember the first time me and Joe heard this one. We actually we ha- they had like a what a 5.1 surround sound version. It came with a DVD, and that, that's the first time we listened to that on Joe's uh, speakers. And it was definitely really impressive then but i think that was also the same day that uh that i picked up uh Danza 3 Oh, so, shit <laughs> and as we described that album that that album is really hard to get through it's like pushing a boulder up a hill and uh so whenever we heard this this was just like total like crack to our ears but yeah after after repeated listens it was just like you know i like this basically but I'm not feeling it like I felt like I felt the older stuff and that's a very you know metalhead elitist thing to say but it's kind of true and so I would say whenever we went into heritage I really didn't know what to expect because I didn't know what direction that river was going to go in speaking
1: of which heritage very very both
0: unexpected
1: and in some ways not so unexpected direction because I mean, if you if you really followed Opeth, if you listened to Mike Akefeld talk about his influences and the other bandmates talk about theirs, then you can definitely see that they had been wanting to return to stuff like... Not, not so much a return, obviously. We wanted to
0: kind of merge into this kind of stuff. They wanted to sound like the bands that influenced them. The problem is, is whenever Opeth first came out, they were in that Swedish melodic death metal scene... And that's just the way bands sounded in the mid, early to mid '90s, in Sweden. The death metal vocals had to be there. The kind of folk influenced stuff had to be there, because um, you can hear you can hear that kind of shit all over early Dark Tranquillity. You can hear yes. all that shit. I actually uh, recently picked up a record by a band called God Macabre, and it was uh, from 1994. It was a Swedish death metal record. And uh, it definitely is a little bit more brutal, but it has, it has a pretty similar quality to what Opeth was doing on Orchid. And so I think what we had with Opeth was a band that started in that scene, felt like they kind of had to to be that way, for a while. But I think after after doing the death metal thing for essentially a whole career, I mean we're going from like 1990, early 90s, five. To 2005 Well they were around right a little before they released working, I mean are we they? are we the same people that we were 10 years ago? No Not even close So neither is Mike, Michael Ackerfeld and it's one of those Like you realize when you're young And you're in a band and you're part of a scene You tend to kind of do what the scene Does However we were all inspired Uniquely to like certain Types of music and we, we discovered a lot of that on our own. It wasn't that that we were part of a scene or that we were part of some kind of some kind of movement. I think I think he was caught up in that at the beginning and carried it through because, you know, eight or nine years later it's like, well, this is what I'm famous for doing now, so I have to do it. But I think Heritage was kind of a middle finger to that and said, No, I like I like bluesy, jazzy, funky seventies rock. Yeah. Music music that's unpredictable and creates you know unique soundscapes that's the kind of shit that that gets him hard that's the stuff that all the more power to him that's the stuff that he loves like personally i will i I, it took
1: me a long time to get into heritage i never disliked the album but it's just whenever i wanted wanted to feel in a opeth mood i would jump to some other album usually a heavier one but for me that would be the same thing because i'm not always in the mood to listen to damnation either a very specific OPEF mood to listen to either album but when I do I typically enjoy them.
0: Well and I think it was just a it was just one of those I'm going to cut the bullshit now because I've put out what nine albums <laughs> Yeah. already and I think that the band had re- reached a level of success at that point where he kind of felt like you know what I'm going to start doing what I want now I've earned that. Yeah. And so we ended up with an album like Heritage which is much more progressive rock. Again, though, like Mike said, though, th- there's a lot of ghost reveries in here. If you're looking for it, if you're the kind of person that just listens all the way through, waiting for the death vocals to kick in, and then they never come, <laughs> you'll be disappointed. I can understand that disappointment a little bit. I think that may have been my first listen was th- was with that expectation. I didn't know. I think it all comes down to
1: that ghostly feel, that just feeling of a time and place that is very unique. Opeth, for me, has been always very difficult to describe, just the way they sound. I don't, and, and like I said, I have to describe it using allusions to literature or artwork. It's it's difficult for me to compare them to other bands, even.
0: Well, and I don't think that the Devil's Orchard was a really good one to release as a single, because I don't think that represents the album totally. Yeah, I mean, I question whether or not Opeth actually has a single. Right, I was about to say that. Well, this too. was it's released. This was released three. as a single. Um, you know. By a single, I mean they sent it to the metal radio stations And, you know It was the big Opeth song that you could hear on On Facebook or MySpace or whatever the hell Um, you could hear that Before the album came out That's what I mean by a single It was the, it was our first taste Of Heritage But I hear a lot of Watershed on this one I hear a lot of, uh I hear a lot of Ghost Reveries that, Like, really really good keyboard work On this it, Like, it wasn't until I think, uh Deliverance really that we got Keyboards on on An Opeth record and they've always Kind of they didn't really flare up Until we got to Ghost Reveries And then the keyboards became a much more uh, A much more Prominent instrument Because before that all the melody everything was all Guitar driven so the, the reliance on keys Added like what, what Mike was saying That ghostly Feel that otherworldly feel And that's all over this record there's really creepy moments that are really heavily accentuated by the keyboard. Oh yeah, the keyboards a good accentuator. I think
1: keyboard or not, as they've always said that that feel, and you get that you still get that same feeling with these more uh, these. I don't want to say. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say it's softer albums. The uh, you're still getting Opeth. You're still getting something that's definitely recognizably Opeth, which to me, I think. It, As long as the as a band is itself and recognizable, that's about that's that's
0: reasonable.
2: I think they still sound like Opeth here. Yeah, Um, this is a different kind of heavy. This is a heavy that the majority of metal fans don't want to embrace because it's not extreme and brutal and loud, but it's seventies heavy. It's the tone of what the music is about is what makes it heavy, not the sound of the song that you're listening to. Well, there's some, there's some heavy riffs. So you're talking more like less heavy, like
1: chunk heavy, and more like, oh man, that's some heavy stuff.
0: Yeah, but they've never been a, they've never been a chunk heavy band anyway. And that's the thing that I don't understand is like there was all these cries of sellout when this record came out. Because there's a lot of people that every were like, album, I though. fucking knew it. <laughs> I knew,
2: I knew it. <laughs> I knew that he was going to drop
0: those death metal vocals, and I, I don't appreciate that, and I'm not about that. And I, what is this like weird seventies rock and shit? And it's like, dude, did you, did you, have you heard the other albums?
2: Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's at least fifty percent of pretty, every album. Weird seventies rock does the a, course, weird, Yeah,
1: weird seventies rock is definitely part of Opeth's. Uh, their
0: their map it's in <laughs> there's, their there's dna it's in their dna absolutely yeah. like that they, they, they've always been that way and so i don't think anybody really has a leg to stand on because really the sellout thing to do at this point in their career go ahead and tell me about selling a, out dan all to, over again is to put out a uh morning Rise again put out yeah <laughs> yeah go back and put out another blackwater park put out another still life You know, like make it about the ghosts that. Black Rose -er. (laughs)
1: Immortaler. Right. So it's like
0: that is how. That is more of a sellout move than what they did. What they did may not have necessarily been the smartest thing to do financially. But I have a lot of appreciation for somebody saying, you know what? I'm a musician and this is what I do to express myself and this is what I want to do. I don't think they're hurting financially. I don't think so either. (laughs) Because I think. One of the biggest complaints people used to have about Opeth On the other side of the spectrum The people that weren't metalheads Couldn't get past the growled vocal Yeah It was one of those like wow this album Blackwater Park Has amazing instrumentals But when that death growl kicks in It's like my brain just turns off
1: Yeah, I've heard that tons of times These people will be coming back now that these albums are here And there are plenty of us who will listen to Opeth just fine No matter what they decide to do As long as they just keep on doing quality work Which I don't really see them not doing
0: that So, Yeah, so Pale Communion This one actually, like, Heritage was a little bit of a miss for me But Pale Communion is when things
1: started to get a little weird I think that Pale Communion is much more in your face as far as, like, this is. these are our influences and this is what... Is that, that sounds like Rush there for a second.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> it does, yeah. So, uh... There's Rush in here, there's Yes in here.
1: Oh, yeah, oh yes, yes. <laughs> there's always Camel in there, you know. Oh, always, always Camel. It wasn't that um, one of the major
2: influences, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan, <laughs> do, do you want to hear some Blue Oyster Cult, Dan? <laughs> sure. Wait about 20 seconds. Yeah. I was being figurative, not literal. It's funny.
1: I'm... I'm at, a, I'm at a disadvantage here because I only started listening to these the last two albums, this and Sorceress for the past couple of weeks, and I've only listened to them both,
0: you know, about once a piece, so didn't absorb it quite so well. I almost hear a little bit of like meatloaf in this in places. It's weird, like, and I'm not, I'm not like a big classic rock guy, so like, some of this stuff I have to admit went a little over my head, but I... I found this album pretty enjoyable. It's not my go-to by any means because it was just so musically weird. And as we've discussed, I don't always like things that are different. I struggle <laughs> I struggle a lot with being that, that elitist metalhead asshole. And I think that I can appreciate what they were going for on this. Something just feels wrong to you? It feels off. I think the more you listen to something,
1: you'll at least, that, that feeling of alienness will kind of go away. You might you might still hate it.
0: Not to well, say that you hate it necessarily. Every Opeth record takes like borrows from the previous record. So like yeah. Watershed borrowed from Ghost Reveries. Uh Heritage borrowed from Watershed. And now this record is borrowing from Heritage, but it's kind of borrowing the elements that I don't enjoy as much. Mm. Does that make sense? Like yeah
1: i will get a few more listens, and I'll be able to really pick up on it, I suppose. But uh, no, I, I liked it the first go through. It was just I remember my main, my first uh, impression was like, is this Rush for a, for just a second? Yeah. And then and then oh wait no no this is Opeth that I'm listening to. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: It's still got that darkness to it. Yeah. It's it, uh, the
1: mel- the melodies are there. The quintessential kind of uh, Opeth gloom and ghostliness is there. Um, It's a little more upbeat in places, though. It's uh, definitely got some uh, like uh, weird kind of almost jam band quality. I don't know if I want to say that, but I just did, so we're gonna run with it. But
0: (laughs) well, let's cut this shit. It's a little wanky. It's a little wanky. It's a very like, looky what we can do. Like you think so? (laughs) Experimenting, experimenting with odd time signatures. They're playing. They're playing in the forest. Yeah, but it it doesn't connect with me you on an emotional same, level like the previous records did.
1: That same forest where before they were sodomizing a dead girl's corpse, now they're just kind of like Morris dancing in that same well, no, thing. Man, was, They're that just kind of uh, having a good time to brought some beers and that some That was the sun, no?
0: wasn't Opeth. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't think Well, <laughs> you, you still tried out to read it the... <laughs> Well, the jury's still out on the leper affinity. Well, I was but...
1: going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: referencing that, obviously, but, um, you know... I think this was, they sat down and were listening to Aqualung and Inaganda <laughs> Vida on Shuffle and man. said, all right, guys, let's just do that. Yeah. and yeah, It almost sounds like a jam band. Yes, it does. And obviously the answer is this is the record they wanted to make because they made it. If you wanted to look at it from a purely... Financial perspective, this could be that percentage of their fans that filled out the survey and said, Yeah, we like that progressive stuff you do, but it's less than 20% of the overall fan base. Okay, well, let's do a really kind of 70s jam thing. But honestly, it's not bad. I don't dislike it, I like it more than I like Heritage. But this isn't why I listen to Opeth I question whether or not this should have been called something else other than Opeth And it was just called Opeth because this is the record the band made The Mike Ackerfeld experience.
1: <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to say cuz I had the same actually feeling, actual feeling about Heritage when I first listened to it. I had the feeling is this the least opethy of all the Opeth records? And I'm I'll be honest, I because I've had that feeling before about an about another one, I and it was wrong. I don't really want to go back. And, I don't really want to say it about this one. I mean, just from listening to it right this second I can tell there's so much else that is different from Opeth's whole history and is much more in common with like you said Jethro Tall, all of this so much else from the 70s and early 80s and what have you but I'm willing to give it a few
0: more shots before I make my judgment, I guess. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's bad. I don't think that Opeth has put out a bad record. Spoilers for the next one.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I guess that the, the <laughs> big thing also is just seeing so much so much irrational hate directed at Opeth has kind of made me a little protective towards them in some instances to where if they try something new, I'll be like, well, let's see what happens, you well, know? We'll and,
2: see. and they don't sound like they're imitating another band. It's not like they woke up and said, yeah, we're going to do progressive rock and then it just sounded like an imitation of those bands. It hmm. sounds like Opeth just recorded a different type of album. Yeah. It still sounds like Opeth. And, and that's something exactly. that they should be praised for. Because a lot of other bands that try things... Or change their whole genre for one thing, which is arguably what they've done here. This
1: is... I mean, the per- same person who's who's like uh, just a metalhead and likes metal. I mean, you're obviously not going to stick around from this. But if you are but if you're into multiple different kinds of genres already, then this is not going to hurt your feelings as much.
2: No, this is Opeth that I listen to on a Saturday morning while I cook breakfast. Yeah.
1: I can see that. Creepy. I can see that Joe just, you know, frying up those the bacon sizzling. Goat fat bacon.
0: Goat yeah. fat bacon. Oh God, yeah. so much goat fat. <laughs> Soaked in goat fat. So salty. Talking to myself
2: in the voice of Papa Emeritas 7. Oh, yeah. So sorceress. Oh, no, you, you're just going to go straight into follows, it then, aren't you? Yeah, Sorceress.
0: <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> Sorceress follows a lot of the same pattern as Pale Communion, and again, it borrows heavily from that record. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it as much as it's just kind of a wank fest.
2: It is. It. It's, it, it,
0: it there's a lot of looky, looky what we can do. It really, it is. I mean, like, it's got these weird tempos. I feel obligated to
1: argue against you, but I can't do that from a position of knowledge, so I won't.
0: Well, I just... Again, I'm just making statements here. I'm not saying that it's bad. But what I am saying is
2: that we're completely off the map now. Remember earlier when I said that they were making Broadway plays? Yeah, this is the <laughs> film version of a Broadway play Oh, that's harsh I don't think this is that bad That's mean, Joe it's, <laughs> n- From a tone perspective, this is We, you know, we, we, we took Before we were we were doing repo on stage Now we're doing repo on film I still like Repo on film. Well, Repo was only on film. Bad example. Oh, Let me try that You're again. You're confusing me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Michael's like, you did this uh, I, just uh, to screw with For me. a second, I was like, oh my god, there's a Repo on, on, on ice. Repo on ice.
0: <laughs> no, it's not what I'm oh, saying. Oh, the soundtrack. What, what I'm around. saying is that there's too much tonal shift on this record. I, I love a dynamic record. I like a record that goes to a lot of different places. I don't like going that many different places in six minutes. I guess is where I'm at. It's the same th- thing I level against Between the Buried Me's newer newer albums. Is the fact that it's very tonally like the 30 seconds into a song, it's much more tonally different than the than the previous 30 seconds. It it changes around so much. It does so much weird shit. And I have a lot of trouble keeping up with it. And I'm sure there's some kind of, like, really great genius behind all of it that I don't get. Because we've only gotten genius from Opeth for the most part. With maybe the exception of the first couple albums. But for the most part, there's always a reason for why they do these weird things. And I get it, but I'm just not into the style of music that they're playing. Because I am, at the end of the day, a metalhead. Yeah. And
1: And there's no no problem with that. When
0: we've gone off this far off the map... Four times now. Yeah. You know, Damnation... Damnation is a little different in the sense that it still sounded like the Blackwater Park Deliverance era Opeth, just not screaming. Yeah, totally. It was basically there. Right. But this... Is, well, Damnation has arguably almost the same tone throughout. It does. Yeah. Whereas this record is just like, okay, we're going to do an aggressive, like, almost like piano chord chunk like they try to chunk with the piano and like there's there's weird wanky like 70s rock guitar solos in there and it sounds like it sounds like the guitars they're playing were manufactured in 1978
2: and like it's it's this it, is sounding it, eerily familiar to your ghost explanation let me put it this way
0: <laughs> this is way better than ghost um let me put it this way this is really great But not for you. I'm just not into it. This is not why you listen to it. We could
1: could really boil it all down to that.
0: And I don't, but I'm not bitching at the band or I'm not like, you know, again, Rob Rivera said a few episodes back uh, from Nonpoint, he said, I don't understand why all these people like hear something different than what they like and feel personally betrayed by it. Yeah.
1: well, you're mature enough to know that you already have some incredible Opeth albums that you'll always be able to return to, and just like any other great work, you'll always find something new and fresh within that which is old and familiar. Well, it's, um, I know,
0: appreciate you saying that, Mike. I, I'm, however, I'm looking out for
1: you. you however, hear, that
0: that level I'm, of maturity has not always been on display. <laughs> uh, reference in Flames. Well, okay. but I want to talk about that in for a second.
1: Flames, well, I wasn't there for that.
0: I want to talk about that for a second. Okay. What In Flames did, In Flames was great, came out of the same scene as Opeth. hmm Okay. What they did is they put out brilliant albums, and then they changed. But the problem is, is like, what In Flames was doing on their later records wasn't like what Opeth did with, um... With heritage and right, pale not, Union even compa- and all that. not even comparable because I don't what inflames In did is they were what they did was an obvious listening to other people and trying to say, Okay, well, we wait, what, sound what more think, Like American New Metal, what do you we think? Sound, yeah, what do you think this is going to sound like? Like, how, how many about records feelings. do we think we're going to sell? Let's
1: see about our feelings now, right? And we're going to go from because it's, it's very abrupt to go from, you know, space gods and um, ancient races retaking what is rightfully there after they ascend to the sun and then switching over to, oh, I'm, I'm 30 now, I'm so sad inside. Right, and, <laughs> you know, we, we've we already uh, had that rant. I know, I know. But, I've, but I've, Jeff could probably put it f- far better than I could because he seems to be even more, pers- have a more personal skin in the game yeah. than I do as far as that goes, but...
0: Uh, well, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, like, in Flames became almost a parody of themselves. Whereas Opath did the change tastefully. Yeah. In the sense that this is one of those, this is just the kind of music I want to make, guys. Yeah, it's, it's I really hope that you guys enjoy it, but I understand if you don't. No matter
1: how like weird they get in their fans' eyes, they're always going to be able to say, well, at least they're doing it because they want to do it. You know, they're, this is something they want to try, and I think that's remarkable.
2: As James Hetfield once said, it's all about having fun and trying something new. Yeah. So is this the record that they wanted to make? when they made watershed like they did ghost reveries and it was really heavy and really up front and really progressive Mm -hmm. and then they said we should try doing this like uh, we have fun playing this kind of progressive rock thing and they said well if we're gonna do that we need to make a logical transition out of it so we're only going to be able to do that in about five years after we put out two intermediate albums to kind of get the fans warmed up to the idea
0: I think so. I think that that could be it. I don't know if it was like that
2: If that's the case, planned. he's the smartest decision any band has ever made. I don't think it was that
0: planned out, I, but I do think that, like... I have a feeling that the secret would be if we listened to more
1: uh, or read more interviews with the guys, or maybe, hey, if there's a way to contact them, ask them what they
0: think. Well, that might happen at some point, but um, for the time being, all we can really do is speculate, and I think... I think I I got mad respect for the dude for doing what he wants. And um, if Jeff were here, he probably would have brought up Catatonia by now. Uh, And uh, he did
1: recommend Catatonia very enthusiastically to me when he found out I was into Opeth. Yeah. He,
0: and you know, I think, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, Jeff would say that, you know, Catatonia handled the whole transition from being a death metal band. Very similar to Opeth, right down to Michael Ackerfeld actually doing vocals on their albums. That's something. Um, (laughs) Isn't that crazy? They called him in just to, just to do the scream vocals. That's hilarious to me. Huh. But is,
1: uh, well, you know, he does have a, a quality. You know, his voice is incredible. It can register those inc- incredible metal sounds and then
0: incredible clean vocals. It's have you heard? Um, have you heard Bloodbath?
1: You know what? Is that his
0: side project that was Well, it's recent? not a his side project. It's more like a death metal super group.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you showed that to me about a year or so ago. Yeah,
0: it's some really good shit. And we got to talk doing... about Bloodbath on the show sometime. And
1: he's pretty pretty much doing a lot of his old school stuff
0: using this way, right? So you might think that maybe he just... Well, he's not in Bloodbath anymore. Duh. Um, they actually replaced him with uh, uh, with the singer of Paradise Lost. Huh. which is really interesting but uh that's that's I'm sorry I've meandered way off the topic but basically what I'm saying is that they handled this change very tastefully
1: oh yes like like the comparison to in flames it is apt because they it, this could have been way way worse
0: it could have been <laughs> and again I think that the worst thing that the band could have done career-wise was to put out another Blackwater park to put out another deliverance you know I think I think that would have come across as cheap almost in the same way that there are aspects of watershed that seem a little manufactured it, you know like that seem a little bit more well this is what the fans want to hear you think so I think so I think they put their own special touch in it I think they did it they did it very tastefully. But there are aspects of Watershed where I'm like...
1: You think by the time they were done with Ghost Reveries, they were ready to go
0: full Pale Communion? I think so. I think they were ready to go full bore yeah. into, into, into more of the progressive rock stuff. Interesting. But I think there may have been a little bit of a, well, we can't just do that. You know? So, I guess that's... Uh, I guess we'll never know until they come out and say
1: so. Either way. Right. So,
0: Mike, do you have any final thoughts on opeth
1: opeth in general uh, a band that has continued to change and still keep my attention for this long definitely one of the greats i'm like i said that ghostly weird feeling of unease that ominous character along with just this bittersweet quality and stuff like the the very last track off of uh, ghost reveries go back to that it's my baby um Where he talks about reading reading a letter Which is basically a cross between either Like one of the most regretful Breakup letters or uh, Someone's died in a war You're not really sure which but uh, I don't know, the ability to Creep you out, to make you Feel like this manly rush whenever the death Vocals just sweep over you Still life is a great example of that Coming to the fore and then just Juxtaposing it with uh, stuff like the End of um, Ghost Reveries How it just kind of I don't want to say fizzle. It doesn't, I almost said fizzles out, but more like, it more like just fades away in this bittersweet quality. I don't know. There's few bands that get me like this on so many different levels, but Opeth is there in my heart.
0: Very good. Dan, what about you? (laughs) Uh, I think Opeth is an incredible band. They're a band that I'm going to continue to, I'm still going to buy the records even if I'm not 100% into them. I think they're eventually going to circle back around to something that is more up my alley. It may be death metal, it may not be. You know, I, I, I enjoyed listening to the Smiths too. So if we ever get there, I'm on board. So I think that uh I think that Opeth is gonna continue to amaze. And I'm I'm glad to see that they are doing what they want to
1: do unapologetically. And that, that authenticity I think is you there's so many bands that don't have that and haven't had that. But I don't, whenever I hear something from Opeth and I I don't really like it right off the bat, at least I don't feel like I'm being lied to.
2: I think that Opeth is one of the few examples of a band where you can't pick an album and listen to it. Opeth is a band, once you're on board, you have to listen to the band as a whole. There are aspects of that approach that come from jazz where you're not just listening to Miles Davis play So What for the thousandth time. You're listening to the band and the way the song is being played. Opeth played death metal at one point and then they kind of modified it and just twisted it a little bit and made it their own and then you had deliverance and damnation where we kind of slipped in this progressive rock thing a little bit and then over time they just kind of started making music the way that they want to it's not like listening to metallica where you can listen to their thrash and then you listen to their not thrash and then you listen to their thrash and you pick the album that defines them I think Opeth is a band that if you listen to One record and say that is Opeth it's just Wrong in 2018 You could have got away With it a few years ago of saying yeah Blackwater Park is Opeth and I probably Would have agreed with you but now Opeth is just a band of really talented Musicians With one guy Staying At the front And saying This is what we're going to do today but that brings
1: up a point that I think we've been a little remiss. We've spoken so much about Mike, Mike this, Mike that. We haven't really had much of a shout-out to the other guys who've been involved in this band.
0: There's a lot of names. Martin Mendez, I mean, he's in the band since no, almost, Mendez. Mendez. almost the
2: beginning, right? Yeah, bass player since 97.
0: And
1: these yeah. have been are incredibly talented. I mean, if uh, a band is very much the sum of, of, the sum of everyone's input into it, signature sounds get carried on by the new members but uh
2: yeah there's a total of 20 members (laughs) over the course of time and in a
0: situation like that i think we do attribute a lot to michael and but i mean it's not totally off base in the sense that he's clearly the driving force behind the band it's kind of like what we talked about project 86 we were schwab this schwab that but you know the reality is um you know that that was his band and i think in a lot of ways Opeth really is Michael Ackerfeld. It's not to say that other guys can't give their ideas or give their input, but I think that uh, that he's clearly the the main influence in the band. And I apologize if the other band members are listening that we didn't bring you up. But uh, if that's the case, get in touch with us and we'll give you your own episode. So
1: I actually looked up I was always wondering Opeth. Where does that come from? Apparently, it comes from a book called The Sunbird. It was like an adventure archaeologist book about, about a city in South Africa called Ote, uh, Opet, without the H on the end. And I actually picked up that book, so I'm going to read it and see what, because I know that the, the name was not made up by Mike or any of the present band members, of course, but it was left to those who were here before Mike joined the band, actually.
2: So I'm going to look into that. This has been Literature Discussion with Mike.
1: It looks like a poor man's in Jones, but we'll see.
2: Well, for a few people that are going to be listening to this episode, this was very old school and they know exactly what I mean, so... Mike, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure, guys. You're going to have to come back and talk about some more evil metal.
1: Evil. Only the evilest.
2: <laughs> so, Dan... I know we said we were going to talk about it. We'll mention it real quick. Okay. For our Patreon subscribers, we are going to be giving a little bit more to you for $1. Well, $1 a month on our Patreon page
0: will give you access to Patreon-only content. And what we mean by that is that if you just can't get enough discography discussion, you want to hear us go a little bit more in-depth on individual albums as opposed to our normally macro way of covering bands you know we, we may cover 12 albums in two hours obviously sometimes that's not enough time to talk about everything about a record so what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna sit down for 20 minutes 30 minutes at a time and we will do a album review on an individual record and uh if you uh, are kind enough to support our podcast uh via patreon you will get access to that uh and it's it's only a dollar it's only a dollar per month contribution, and uh, you'll get access to a special feed that has a uh, that has those individual album reviews. So definitely look out with the, look out for those. Those will probably start coming uh, next month. So what's your album of the week, Dan? Oh, mine is uh, Between the Buried and Me, Autonoma One. Wait, Automata. Automata? I don't know. Mike,
2: what about you? I don't know oh. how to pronounce anything.
1: <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Uh, I'll say Pale Communion It was the last album I listened to all the way through Listen to Sorceress before Pale Communion
2: <laughs> For me, it's a self-titled Cold Chamber Today was one of those days, if you know what I mean I feel you, there you go And on that note This has been episode 59 of Discography Discussion Thank you for listening You can like us on Facebook And follow us on Twitter at DiscussMetal Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion, and please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Alright, the leper affinity. Let's get to the bottom of this.
0: We entered winter once again, naked, freezing from my breath. Neath the lid, all limbs tucked away. This coffin is your abode from now and onwards. Your body is mine to avail. Such a tragic sight you are. Slave under my creed, spurring me with those tears. I am beyond death, midst a dreaming affinity. Saving strength now, faint whispers come erotic communion in its, splush, in its splendor. Okay, yeah, he's fucking a corpse.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a little hard to
0: get over that. Hey, kid, can't get past that. You want to see a dead body?